Today is Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A Christian missionary denied bail again. We'll have that story and more on today's podcast. We're bringing news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. You can share it with a friend, too. That's helpful. And email us. We'd love to hear from you. Quick Start Podcast at CBN.org. Joining me, as always, to get through that news of the Cray, Trey Goins Phillips. Billy's out today. What's going on, Trey? So today's a, it's my sister's birthday. There you so go. It's a, it's a big day. Good day. Yeah. Big day. Happy birthday to Trey's sister. She did just have a baby, so okay. that that's exciting. Wow. So I've got a, I have a new nephew birthday. Lots of good stuff Bir- going on. Birthdays and babies, all good. <laughs> what do we have coming up on the podcast today for the uh, focus? Yeah, so we're going to talk about this very very old Bible, uh, and what's really really cool about it uh, is is how complete it is and how it compares to some others that have been discovered. So any anyway, it's just cool whenever there's a discovery that points back to the faith that we already know is true, right? Yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. Uh, looking forward to the details on that. Also, on the main thing, Jonathan Rumi stopping by. You know him as uh, Jesus on The Chosen, but he's got a new role coming up. We'll discuss that with him. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. And a Mozambican court has denied bail for Ryan Coer, who's a pilot for Mission Aviation Fellowship, otherwise known as MAF. And two of the ministry's South African volunteers, they were arrested back in November for so-called supporting terrorism. But as CBN reported back then, Coer, 31, he was taken into custody while preparing to fly vitamins and other supplies to church-run orphanages uh, in the area. So continued prayers there. You can read more about that at CBN.com. Mark Houck, the pro-life Catholic father who was arrested over a highly questionable Base Act charge by the Biden administration is now vowing to fight back against the administration, saying he is going to, quote, pursue justice, end quote. Can I get more of those details, which we'll have uh, later on this week uh, on the podcast from my conversation uh, with Mark Haug. Armenian Christians who are cut off from the outside world are facing desperate conditions. There's an ongoing blockade that's preventing much-needed food and medicine and other resources from reaching Nagorno-Karabakh. That's one of the. There's one Christian group there that's now sounding the alarm, and fears that are that time is running out are now starting to permeate. And uh, you can read that story and more over at CBNNews.com. A lot going on to pray about there. I mean, just crazy what happens to these missionaries sometimes. You know, you take for granted the risks that they're taking. Obviously, prayer there. And then Mark Houck, talking to uh, CBN and, and myself, said that he is planning to pursue justice with the Biden administration. So, And obviously, those Armenian Christians, to pray for them there. So a lot to pray about. Yeah, for sure. You know, whenever there are stories of people facing persecution or facing adversity, if they're missionaries working in another country uh, that's hostile to Christians, it's it's easy, I think, to at least for me, to kind of abstract it and to, to think, my God, is it, I'm just reading about these people, and you don't really connect that these are real people in real time who have families and are going through these really, really adverse situations. So it's good to be constantly reminded of the fact that we kind of live um, in a in a bubble, right, of security that's been um, that's not common for Christians. You know, yeah. you know, living in the United States, we're kind of the exception. Uh, or anywhere in the West, we're the exception to the rest of the world where Christians are not guaranteed security 
simply because of the God they believe in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's important to be, to have these stories at the front of our minds, not to scare us or to worry us all the time, uh, but so that we know how to pray, right? So that we can hand that over to the Lord and say, you know, do, do yeah. what you want and, and be right. faithful and continue to grow your church in the midst of this. Yeah. And, and you say we're the exception for now. For now. Yeah. For now, yeah. with the exception, I don't know. I see a lot of the things going on. I mean, particularly with this Mark Houck story, which we'll have more on that coming up, but uh, in the week on the podcast. But I mean, the way that the government was willing to use the FBI against this law abiding citizen who was willing to turn himself in, as we discussed, and then the administration apparently wanted to make a point of some kind or an example out of a pro-lifer by sending 20-some agents to his house, heavily armed, even though he said he'd come in voluntarily if they decided to pursue charges. So nobody knows why this case, which was dropped in the local courts, got picked up by the feds, who have a 98% conviction rate when they pick up a case. And they had no mm -hmm. case here. So why did it get picked up? That's what he is pursuing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting that it seems like so many of the attacks that happened in the United States... Or, um, or against or the discrimination, whatever you want to call it, against Christians here is uh, often in the vein of politics. Yeah. Um, and there's this this cultural tenor that's, well, if you're a Christian, that's fine, but you need to have no teeth to your faith, right? You need to be completely... Right, keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself, keep it private, keep it in your home. But it's like, well, I don't know if you understand how this works, because if, <laughs> if I believe in a moral truth, uh, then like the sanctity of human life, um, then I believe it in all situations and circumstances. I don't just believe it in the privacy of my own home and for my family. I believe it for all of humanity. Yes. Um, so advocating for that, you should be able to do that. But I think attacks like these that the Hauk family has faced puts a chilling effect in the air, right? Because then people are going to be afraid, well, can I go out and protest? Right. Or the woman who was just praying, obviously this was in the UK, she was just, for all that we know, she was just praying silently to herself and was confronted by police there outside of a, an yeah. abortion clinic. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, it, it's scary that these things are now happening in the West where, like we just said a minute ago, or like I just said a minute ago, we've been relatively safe and free to practice our faith. Mm -hmm. And well, and the ironic thing about this keep your faith at home thing is that no one else does that with their views. Secularists right, are right now they're shouting all day long about gender ideology and jamming that down everyone's throat. No one's no one seems to say keep why don't I mean no one on that side anyway seems to say, well, let, we need to keep that at home. It's uh, an interesting dynamic going on there for sure. But I want to head into our next story here. And you mentioned it at the top tray, and it's quite interesting. The oldest, most complete Bible could break a record soon when it goes up for auction. What's going on? So I, mean, I said that it had just been discovered. That's not it. It was discovered years ago, but it's just now yeah. coming back into the public uh, because it's been in the in private ownership for decades now. So a lot of people are just now finding out about this Bible. Uh, so it's estimated to be more than a thousand years old, oh, wow. uh, and it's the oldest and most complete. Hebrew Bible, uh, and it could break a stunning record when it goes up for auction in May, on May 16th of this year. So Sotheby's, which is the auction house that's selling the Bible, is estimating that the ancient text, which is known as the Codex uh, Sassoon, uh, will go for upwards of 30 to 50 million dollars, uh, which would, would far surpass 
any ancient document. I think the the next closest is in the teens of millions of dollars. And I I'm, I might be mistaken, but I believe it, it was a U.S. constitution, like an earlier an early draft of a constitution uh, that went for sixteen, seventeen, eighteen million dollars. So this Bible would go for obviously at least double that is what they're estimating. Wow. That is absolutely incredible. Um, what is the history of this Bible? So it date, dates back to the late 9th, or early 10th century. Uh, it contains all 24 books of the Hebrew Bible, but it, it's missing 12 leaves. But, you know, just 12 pages are, are missing. Uh, the rest is all there. Uh, and some people might be thinking, wait, 24 books in the Hebrew Bible, isn't that the Old Testament? Okay. Uh, well, it is the Old Testament, and there are more than 24 Bibles in our Old Testament. 24 uh, books. But, yeah, in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew uh, Bible, uh, they don't split up books like Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. Uh, uh, the twelve minor prophets are all considered mm. one book uh, in the ancient Hebrew Bible. So that's how they're able to come up with the number twenty-four for a for a Hebrew Bible. Uh, and as for why it's called the Codex Sassoon, which is kind of a weird name, uh, it's named after its most famous owner, which is David Solomon Sassoon. He died in nineteen twenty-four. And like I said earlier, the Bible has been held in private collections until this spring when it will go up for public op, uh, auction. Uh, the, the most fascinating thing, Dan, that I think it, it is actually about Sassoon himself. Uh, he committed to memory all of the prayers of the liturgical year mm. for the Hebrew faith, uh, and he knew by heart almost the entire Hebrew Bible by the time he was eight years old. Oh. Uh, he was devoutly Jewish wow. uh, and obviously spent years and, and months studying over Scripture. So quite an incredible story the owner of this Bible has, in addition to, to the story about the Bible itself. Yeah, that is remarkable. So what other things set this Bible apart to make it look at fetching um, almost $30 million? So there are older biblical manuscripts in existence, like the Dead Sea Scrolls. We've written about that a lot um, at CBN and Faithwire. And then there's the Aleppo Codex. Uh, but the Codex Sassoon stands apart because it has two things going for it. It's the oldest that's this complete uh, because there's a lot missing from the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's a lot missing from the Aleppo Codex. Uh, but this one is only missing 12 pages. Uh, otherwise, it's a completely, uh, you know, intact Hebrew Bible, a completely intact collection of scriptures. So, and it's also nearly a hundred years older than the Leningrad Codex. That actually is a fully complete Bible. Nothing is missing from that. Hmm. Uh, but again, this Codex Sassoon is a hundred years older than that. Wow. That, that is absolutely remarkable. And as you said, um, just wonderful to see these sorts of evidences from our faith, you know, to look back and see this being there, especially now, you know, you have so many people that want to say like Jesus didn't exist or Paul didn't exist and um, trying to do whatever they can to discredit the Bible. And so it's it's awesome to see stuff like this. Yeah, for sure. It's it's reassuring whenever we see things like this. And I say reassuring. Obviously, if you're a believer, you have the conviction of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and you you know that, you know, uh, what scripture says is true, but it's nice when you have handles to then navigate it with unbelievers, right? Because for unbelievers, it's normal to have questions. Or even if you, as a, a Christian yourself, have had doubts, everybody's had had questions and thought, well, I don't, is all of this really true? It's nice when the Lord offers these blessings, right? Of like, hey, you know, it's true because I've given you the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but also 
here's this too, because I know you wonder and, and you know, I, I know you have questions. So it's just cool to see the confirmation, tangible confirmation in real life um, of what we know to, to be true of scripture. It's neat whenever that happens. There's definitely scripture, lots of examples. And I was thinking of Luke 1, 4, but where you have specific witnesses to Jesus saying, you know, we're writing these things down so that you may know for certain yeah. Not so that eh, so that you can have a good idea. And and we don't do what we do with the Bible with any other like as a culture, with with any other historical book or information. You know, you could have one or two or ten copies of something and that is exactly what they said. We know this from history because of that. Yet there's more copies of biblical manuscripts than anything else even remotely close to that time era and then everyone wants to cast doubt on the bible and so it's it's kind of sad but ironic that we do that as a culture with scripture yeah no i think you're right we do hold we hold scripture to a different standard a much more rigorous standard than anything yeah. else um but i think some of that is just our own pride right our sinfulness our our sinful nature is to dismiss anything that would suggest we're not in control and obviously scripture uh, is God's divine inspired word. And it tells us time and again that we are not in control, that there's a sovereign God who's charting the course of, of human history uh, and who's charting our individual intimate courses throughout our lives. So I think that's just an affront to anybody. So anytime that we, uh, particularly non-believers, anytime we can we can kind of shrug off uh, any sort of evidence that, that there is a God or yeah. if we can find a way to weasel out of it, um, our nature is to do that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, we're definitely going to keep tabs on this. I can't wait for the update to see what this thing actually goes for, because that is incredible. And who gets it? I wonder, if, will they change the name? So, I mean, will it be like, if I bought it, would it be the, uh, you know, whatever you call yeah, it, the Kodak right. Andros? <laughs> the, the Andros uh, Codex? Yes, yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't know. What, what I do think is cool is that, so from now until... Uh, May 16th when it goes up for auction in New York City. It's actually going to be traveling around the world. Oh, wow. uh, it's in Europe right now on display for the public to see. It's going to be in Tel Aviv uh, for people there to look at. Uh, then it's going to be in Dallas for a little bit. Uh, so it's going on a world tour of this Bible before it makes it to the auction. Wow. Uh, and then whoever buys it, it'll be up to them, obviously. Are they going to put it in a private collection or you know, lease it to somebody like contract it to the Museum of the Bible yeah. or something like that? It'll, it'll all depend on who ends up buying it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I got to keep an eye out for Ocean's Eleven too. Keep them away, far away. <laughs> I mean, sounds like you know that thing. That's a risk, you know. You're taking that thing all over the place. So, but uh, good story there. Very, very interesting. Definitely, we'll we'll update on that when when uh, news happens on it. So appreciate that. And we're gonna head into the main thing now. And Jonathan Rumi is known for playing Jesus on the Chosen, but he's stepping into a new role in the new movie Jesus Revolution, and it's in theaters this Friday. He joined Trey to talk about the film revival and his career on today's main thing jonathan rumi thank you so much for joining us at cbn faithwire how are you i'm doing well trey and yourself i'm good look i i appreciate you taking a few minutes because so most people know you as jesus uh, from the chosen uh, yes. but you're stepping into a new role for this jesus revolution movie you're playing lonnie frisbee he was a kind of a, a hippie evangelist during the Jesus movement of the 70s. Tell us how this role came about for you. So I had met um, John Irwin in, I think, the fall of 2021. 
uh, at, his, at the premiere of his film, uh, The Jesus Music, which was a documentary about the music and the, the origins essentially of contemporary, contemporary Christian worship music and how it related to uh, the Jesus People Movement or the Jesus Revolution as, as Time Magazine uh, so aptly named it. Um, so we, we got on really well and I thought the, 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 the time, the epoch was, was fascinating and the, the, you know, um, this, the story of all of these different characters was, was really interesting. And um, and how Greg Laurie was connected, I thought was really cool. And uh, and then like not long after that, he sent me this script for the film. He said, you know, I'm doing a, a film about the the movement that this music came from, um, and I'd love for you to read the script. And so I read the script, and when they said they were interested in having me play Lonnie, I I, I jumped at the chance. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't say yes fast enough. It was a fantastic script, and. Um, yeah, just just full of so much. There's so much packed into into one film. Uh, it's pretty extraordinary that they were able to uh, uh, to to condense it and and uh, tell it in such a way that it's just. I think it's going to be a really powerful film. You know, Lonnie's character. I mean, based obviously on a real person, and he was he was a complex person. If you go and read some of his background and uh, his journey to faith, and then kind of falling away from faith, and you know later in his life, and mm -hmm. uh, then kind of regretting some of his decisions, there there's a lot there. So I imagine in your research and learning about him, uh, there were some things that may have surprised you, or some things that may have challenged you. Can you give us a window into some of that? Sure. Yeah. Lonnie was, was, as you said, Trey, an extremely complex man. And I think that was born out of uh, a lifetime of suffering. Um, you know, if you read his autobiography, uh, he basically had been physically abused from the time he was three years old by his own parent, by his father, um, who ended up leaving. And then he had a stepfather, I think. And, you know, that, that relationship didn't go well either. And so Lonnie spent most of his life uh, searching for an authority figure, searching for a father figure. And like many hippies, they, they channeled their pain through their experiences, through drugs, um, through free love, uh, all of this kind of thing that ultimately was not fulfilling to them at all. And um, Lonnie ended up um, having a vision of Christ, basically telling him that he would be the one to bring uh, thousands of his own generation of the hippie generation to Christ, to God, um, as an evangelist. And, and he, uh, he sort of came out of this vision. Uh, he was actually high on LSD at the time and he, he came out of this vision pr pretty sobered and, and started immediately just preaching the gospel. I mean, he had always had a, uh, a connection to his faith from the time he was a kid, I think from, from his, uh, you know, some of his maternal, uh, authority figures in his life, but, uh, when he had this vision, he, he kind of, he kind of got the call. He got the commission uh, from God to, to go do this, this phenomenal thing. And, uh, and God equipped him with, with some um, phenomenally powerful and intense gifts of the Holy spirit, including, um, you know, the, the ability to heal people. He healed people of, of blindness. He, he, he had a prophetic gifts. He knew when he was supposed to be somewhere to minister to somebody um, he could read people's souls. He knew what would ha had happened in certain people's lives because the spirit, the, you know, the Holy Spirit gave him that insight. So um, you you couple that with this background, and it makes for a, a really um, uh, layered and and complex portrait that um, you know I just I hope I I did some sort of justice to it. 
You know, I think it's fascinating the timing uh, of the release of this movie. It's about a revival that kind of broke out in in southern, not kind of, but that did break out in Southern California, and yeah. and of course impacted the rest of of the country. Uh, and it's happening at a time when we're seeing some of that happen again at Asbury University. Obviously, the the world is, or at least the country, has been watching what's been unfolding there. Uh, so what do you make of, of the timing of all of this? Is there maybe a, a divine uh, a divine purpose in, in all of this that you're seeing? I don't know how to see it any other way, Trey. I mean, I think there there is no coincidence that um, I think the popularity of The Chosen, its success in theaters recently in this past month, um, the release of this film as as on the heels of this, um, you know, week plus long, you know, prayer service with thousands of people showing up uh, at Asbury University. I, I don't think anything is coincidental um, or, or, you know, done by you know, chance or, or happenstance. I think God has a purpose uh, in, in everything that he does. And I think this is a moment where the culture is being reactivated to, um, to welcome him back into the culture on a, a massive scale, potentially a global scale. Hmm. Yeah, you know, my last question for you, Jonathan, is you're a, a person of faith, you're a believer uh, that comes through, obviously, in your character of, of Jesus on The Chosen, your work in this movie, Jesus Revolution, and then just in in conversations. Uh, how has your faith maybe changed or, or deepened your trust in God, maybe deepened over the last few years as your star has risen and you've become sort of a, a household name for so many people? I, I mean, I think... I think that has been the journey for me is to see this this um, gradual yet intense deepening of my walk with Jesus and my faith in God. And um, I, I'm no less, you know, troubled than the next person, you know, uh, or, or um, I, I deal with the same struggles that we all deal with. Um, but I, I go much quicker to, you know, the source of, of creation to help me shoulder all of that, to, to, to help me shoulder the burden, you know? Um, and uh, I, I double down, triple down, quadruple down on my prayer life in the last couple of years, especially. And I found, you know, he's, God's been providing me with all these different opportunities to continue to keep me close to him. So I mean, for instance, I'm a narrator, one of the guys that you can choose on the Hallow app, which has thousands of meditations and prayers. We're about to start one tomorrow, in fact, for 40 days during Lent. Um, and so he, he's brought me to, to, to these projects that put me in this position of, um, you know, uh, prominence in it with, with this spiritual kind of, um, uh, proclivity. So I, I think I have to look at that holistically. I have to kind of, you know, uh, pull out to a bird's eye view of, of all the things that God seems to be orchestrating in my life. And I have to, I, I cannot help but see the geometry of it and say, okay, this is all connected. So uh, my hope is that people will, um, you know, consume some of these uh, different kinds of projects and watch them and 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 participate in in these meditations and prayers and and even you know the prayer of just being in a theater and and just taking in what it is that God's communicating through 
um, the Jesus Revolution, the film, or even the Chosen as a TV show, and 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 having something happen within them to to now then go activate that in their own personal life and and try to make other people's lives better. You know, we're all we're all on this big rock together. So um, I think our our responsibility is to each other, to God first, and then to each other. So hopefully these things that I'm involved with will will help um, you know uh, expedite the the. Um, the, the intensity of, of people's connectedness to their creator. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a perfect place to leave it because it is so true. We are a community. God gave us community for a purpose. Uh, we're not supposed to go through all of this, uh, all of this good and bad stuff uh, by ourselves. We, we, we should be able to lean uh, on each other. So Jonathan Rumi, uh, you play Lonnie Frisbee in Jesus Revolution, which is in theaters this Friday, uh, February 24th across the country. Uh, thank you so much for taking a few minutes. Thanks, Trey. Appreciate it. God bless. All right, Trey, appreciate that conversation with Jonathan Rumi. You can check out the full conversation over at CBN News and our YouTube channel. All right, we have time for one last thing here. We are going to take a look at Luke 1, as I was alluding to earlier. And it reads, uh, this is beginning in verse 3, It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you most Excellent, Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. So this is obviously right at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. Why is he writing it? So that you can be certain about the things you've been taught. And I think as Christians, we need to walk confidently in what we've been taught because you look at these eyewitnesses who were there chronicling this stuff, and they're writing it for, specifically, us to be certain. Yeah, I think it, it's so encouraging to remember that, right? That for Jesus, during his earthly ministry, it was the Hebrew Bible that was his Bible that he referenced back. And now we have uh, obviously the whole New Testament and all of these people like Peter and Paul and John, they were living the New Testament, and, yeah. and it, but it's been written for us to read it. And I think, man, we don't have any excuse whatsoever. Obviously, scripture talks about all of creation points to Christ, but we also have 66 books that point us to <laughs> yeah. Christ. So what a what a blessing that is. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Good spot to leave it there on the podcast for today. As always, don't forget, head on over to CBNnews.com and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe if you haven't done that already. And don't forget to leave that rating and email us, quick start podcast at cbn.org. As always, Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We'll be back here with more of the same. God bless. We'll see you then.